Greetings Journey, Grace Church, and everyone listening. I'm Matt. Thank you guys for joining us again for another week of my story. And this week, this lesson is honestly probably my favorite one that I've done so far with us just getting off of out of the Easter holidays and just all the the love and the gratitude and the just everything pointing towards Jesus and what he did for us and what he sacrificed for us. I felt that this story would be fitting for the time that we're in right now. So I'm going to jump into the word Luke chapter 23, starting in verse 13, New King James Version says, Then Pilate, when he had called together the chief priest, the rulers and the people said to them, You have brought this man to me as one who misleads the people. And indeed, having examined him in in your presence, I have found no fault in this man concerning those things of which you accuse him. No, neither did Herod, for I sent you back to him. And indeed, nothing deserving of death has, has, has been done by him. I will therefore chastise him and release him. For, for it was necessary for him to release one of them at the, at the feast. Verse 18, and they cried out at once, saying, Away with this man, and release to us Barabbas, who had been thrown into prison for, for a certain rebellion made in the city and for murder. Pilate, therefore, wishing to release Jesus again, called out to them. But they shouted, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Then he said to them the third time, Why? What evil has he done? I have found no reason for death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. But they were insistent, demanding with loud voices that he be crucified. And the voices of these men and the chief priests prevailed. So Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they requested. And he released to them the one they requested, who for rebellion and murder had been thrown into prison. But he delivered Jesus to their will. So right in the middle of Jesus going to the cross, on on which it had been prophesied about at this point, we all knew it was coming in the Bible. But up until this point, we have never heard of Barabbas. We've, we know nothing about his life. We know nothing about anything that he has done up until this point in the Bible where we see he's on death row pretty much for leading a rebellion and murder. And that's all we have on him. And it's interesting that he's inserted into the story at this point, at this critical point, because the narrative is Jesus. Excuse me. The, the, The point, the main character of this story is Jesus. And the point that is trying to come across is Jesus being crucified for nothing. The people not liking Jesus, the Pharisees not liking Jesus, so they want him gone. That's the story. That's where we are. Enter Barabbas, the murderer and the, the rebel, the riot starter. And Pilate stands on this stage and he, he presents Barabbas and Jesus to them. And he's, and you know the story, who do you want? And they adamantly say, we want Barabbas. We want the murderer 
We want the riot starter. We want the one that deserves to be in prison, the one that deserves to be hung. We want that one. Crucify Jesus, the one that that came merely to save us, the one that has healed, the one that is set free, the one that that is broken chains. That's the one we want to crucify. Pilate standing on the stage says multiple times, I find no fault in him. We have someone that is literally guilty, someone that deserves this. And then we have someone that I found no fault in, that Herod has found no fault in. But if that's who you guys want to crucify, the Bible even says Pilate washes his hands of it and says his blood isn't on my hands. Go ahead and do it. Now, if you read in John, there's there's this dialogue between Jesus and Pilate where Pilate's, Pilate asks Jesus a question and Jesus doesn't respond. And Pilate follows that up by saying, do you not realize I have the authority to to kill you, to have you killed? And Jesus, resp- Jesus response is the only authority and power that you have is given to the one that is given by the one that sent me. Therefore, all of your power, all of your authority pretty much has has no has no say on me because the one that sent me is the one that's in control, which pretty awesome to me. Jesus totally put the pilot in his place. But back to Barabbas, Jesus willingly lets Barabbas go. Jesus willingly chooses death and lets lets Barabbas go free. And it blows my mind and it it would blow the mind of any believer that studies this just to see if you don't know much about Jesus up until this point, you see an innocent man and a guilt and a and a wrong man, a guilty man, and the innocent man willingly steps in, steps in place and lets the guilty man go free. You know, modern day that person will be called insane or crazy, but Jesus did it out of love. Ephesians 2, verses 4 and 5 say, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. We are not saved by our own merit. We are not set free by our doing. There is nothing that you or I could do, could say to convince God that we're worthy of his love. There's nothing that you or I could do or say to convince God to that we aren't worthy of his love. God loves us. The Bible says that while we while we were yet sinners, Christ died. I heard a song a long time ago. I don't remember the, the name of the song, but it had this lyric that said, you died upon the cross that this world might not be lost, even though you already knew that most of us would reject you. Jesus willingly and sacrificially died on that cross for you and me knowing having the wisdom, the knowledge, and full full understanding that most of the people that he died for would reject him. 
In fact, you can even read further whenever Jesus was hung on the cross. Instead of Jesus cursing at him, screaming at him, being angry, he cries out, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The love that he has for you and for me is unfathomable. I heard a preacher say this about Barabbas and this this anomaly in the scripture almost. He said that Jesus had to be treated like Barabbas so that Barabbas could be treated like Jesus. Jesus had to suffer. Jesus had to endure what he endured so that Barabbas could have the possibility, the chance, not even a guarantee, but the chance to spend eternity with Jesus. And to God, that was all worth it. And to make make and to make this relevant with you and I, just in case there was any questions or any doubt, you and I are Barabbas in this story. We are the wrong ones. We are the sinners. The Bible says we were born into sin, born into iniquity. We, at our best before Jesus, we had no hope. The Bible says for the wages of sin is death. We were born into sin. All we had to look forward to before Jesus was death, was pain, was misery. Enter Jesus, enter the sacrifice, enter Calvary. Now we have hope. Now we have a future. Now Barabbas is able to walk up, run off the stage, go hug all of his friends and, and never even acknowledge what Jesus did for him, possibly. We don't we don't know what happens to Barabbas after this story. He's never spoken of again, as far as I understand. But there's no record of Barabbas turning around, running back and hugging Jesus, saying, thank you, Jesus. You did for me what no one else could do. You are doing for me what no one else could do. Thank you, Jesus. There's no record of that. And Jesus knew that. Jesus was aware that Barabbas probably wouldn't wouldn't pour out his gratitude to Jesus for what he did. But Jesus didn't act for a response. Jesus didn't do what he did in hopes that Barabbas would turn around and and bow at his feet and and pledge his life to him. That wasn't why Jesus did it. Jesus did it for one reason and one reason only. And that reason is love. It is nothing more than Jesus loves us. And nothing, absolutely nothing can separate us from that love. Romans 28, or excuse me, Romans 8 is one of my favorite passages of scripture, starting in verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall, how shall we not, how shall he not with him, with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring charge against God's elect? Is it, is it, God, is it God who justifies us? Excuse me. Is it, it is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God? Who also makes intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded 
that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, <clears throat> excuse me, nor height, nor depth, nor any other, cre nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Absolutely nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing, there's, we didn't, we didn't, Come into God's love by our works or by our power, or by our might. There was nothing that I did. There's nothing that I could do that could make Jesus Christ love me any more or any less. And in that very same breath, there is nothing that I can do that can take God's love away from me. He loves us unconditionally and nothing can separate us from that love. And here's our promise. According to scripture, because of that great love, because of what Jesus did for Barabbas and for us, here is our promise. Revelations 21. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was also no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven for, from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. And he shall wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. And he said unto me, write for these words are true and faithful. Our promise, should we endure should we make it to the end and hang on to his love and love him ever as much as we possibly can, if we can endure with what this world has to offer us, with what the trials that we're facing, with the struggles that we're going through, if we can endure, this is our promise. And just like it said in Romans, nothing, absolutely nothing can separate us from God's love. I love you guys. I'm praying for you. If we can do anything for you guys, reach out to us, reach out to the church. We're here for you guys. Love you all. Be blessed in Jesus name.